Hey, it's Pastor Freddie T at Real Life Church. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, maybe today you can share the podcast with a friend. Somebody came up to me on a Sunday morning recently and said, I'm so thankful for the podcast. I've been binge listening to it. And she listened to episode after episode before she ever attended church with us. And so sometimes people are on the go. Sometimes people are really busy. Sometimes people just need their comfort level increased. And the podcast is a great way to connect them to the church before they're comfortable coming to the church. So share the podcast with a friend today with somebody. You're going to enjoy this. Pastor Timmy and I continue our series on our mission, vision, values, and strategy. So uh, grab a pen, grab a pad, take some notes. You're going to enjoy it. Hey folks, you've heard about community groups, but have you considered hosting or facilitating a community group? As our church grows, we need more folks that are willing to step forward. Listen, beyond a need, it's a massive opportunity for you to be mightily used of God, perhaps in a way that you never dreamed possible. Hosts open up their homes, welcome folks in once a week for community groups. Facilitators don't teach a Bible study, rather they guide discussion, they guide discussion with questions that we provide. So would you right now text MISSION to 97000 and let us know that you're interested in hosting or facilitating, or perhaps both, a community group this fall? This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at real life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. What's up? What's up, Timmy? How's it going? Man, it's good. Summer, summer, summer time. It's here, man. Today feels like spring or fall. I'll take it. The cool, but it's summer, so maybe we'll just recalibrate what we think summer is supposed to feel like. I mean, after the two weeks we had previous, I felt like we were we were totally due. It's so good, dude. What's your growing up like? What's one of your favorite summer memories? Oh man, I've got one. Okay, uh, you, you first then. Well, you remember Patrick Thurl? Of course. Yeah, Patrick Thurl and I. This is kind of weird. It was just me and him. It's like a dude date. That's weird. <laughs> um, Patrick Thurl and I went to a like a John Michael Montgomery concert okay. in Nashville outside. I didn't grow up going to a lot of concerts, you know. I mean, I went to I mean my own fair share, but I wasn't like a concert goer, right? Right, right. And um, you know, his 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 songs in the '90s were so great, you know, and <laughs> and um, it was such a great summer night. Love in it. Nashville. I can't even remember where it was and. Patrick and I, man, we just belted out John Michael Montgomery songs as a teenager. <laughs> that doesn't fun. sound like something that like you'd be like super excited as a teenager to go to a John Michael Montgomery concert. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, he was hot, man. Is it? You know, yeah, I, I started listening to country music a lot my junior and senior oh, year. Gotcha. Um, hey, if you're just joining the podcast, hang in there with us. We're about to talk about some good stuff, but I just thought it's summertime. Let's have some summer reflections. Um, we're in a summer series where we're talking about our mission, vision, strategy, and values. But first, summer memories. Um, Timmy, uh, one of <laughs> one of one of the other things that Patrick and I did was um, I was I was dating this girl, and they were building lots of new neighborhoods out by her house, 
And so we went and got um, all these for sale signs oh, yeah. uh, from all like all these houses in these new neighborhoods and we stuck them all in her front yard. <laughs> and uh, so like, you know, late one summer night. So when they woke up the next morning, there's like 25 for sale signs in their yard and they oh weren't, my they weren't selling their house. You know? <laughs> well, there was, there was a summer of pranks and I wonder if that was it. Like where first Baptist Clarksville youth group kind of went out of control with the pranks. And I'll, I'll never forget like they, um, I don't know if you remember this, the girls of the youth group thought it'd be funny to put a, like a lot of lipstick on and they kissed like all over like my car, like <laughs> the hood, all the windshield, all the windows. Pretty funny, right? Until, Until you realize they never came off. Like they never like, so for like years <laughs> I was driving with like lipstick imprints, like all over my car. You were it, a trendsetter, can, dude. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty good, man. Yeah, all man. the girls, kissing their well, lips yeah. on your car. <laughs> it's like I had to take it that way or else I'd go like, what, absolutely What crazy. did your parents say about that? They just shook their head all the time. Like, what? what is going on over yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, yeah, it was a good summer. Well, yeah. it is summertime, and this is a summer series, and we're doing some pre-recordings. So by the time people listen to today's podcast, you will be in your house. That's right. I'm loving it. But you move in this weekend. Yes. Uh, so congratulations. This is a big step to, like, being officially acclimated and you know totally so we're praying you guys get settled in feel at home you and robin and emma and ian that's it yeah man super excited yep awesome hey thanks for being on the podcast and really love it loved our conversations yeah so so just to catch folks up if you're just if you're just jumping in today uh timmy and i are uh doing a little summer series on our mission vision strategy and values so I'm going to put you on the hot hot seat again, Timmy. All right. But this time, I want to see can you can you recall our mission, our vision, and our strategy? Yes. Uh, so a, a flourishing people, multiplying movements. And what is that? That that is our vision. That's right. We want to become a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. That's right. By delighting in God and discipling others. Ooh, I like how you did that. By Boom. doing that. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> you kind of flipped it. Dan, DJ Daniel Cox, you see what Timmy did on that? We want to become this by... That's it. What's our mission? By... Uh, fl- a flourishing... No, no, our mission. You just our, said it. Our mission. Um, by... By d- delighting in God and yes, discipling others. Beautiful. Yeah. And then our strategy. So our mission is... Our mission and strategy is what we do. Our mission is timeless. Our strategy can ebb and flow. And our vision is what we want to become. So um, what's our strategy, Tim? Gathering, giving, serving, and living. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like the rhyme? Like it, man. It's like a little catch to it. Whenever you do something like that, it's like borderline cheesy, right? And And I feel like if you can walk like all the way up to the line of cheesy and not cross it, like that's good stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, because you remember it. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. totally. Gathering, giving, serving, and living. So, um, last episode, we began to stick our big toe in our values, and what we said was our values are the manner in which we go about our ministry. We said that culture always eats strategy for breakfast. Uh, culture is really, really powerful in the life of any organization. And your culture, more so than your strategy, is really going to shape uh, or really going to uh, determine the level of impact you have. That's it. Um, yep. 
uh, all that was probably familiar language for you. You've been, you've had your head on these things, church life, church culture, church mission for many, many, many years. Um, uh, our values shape our culture and our culture determine our impact. Our values answer the question, in what manner are we go to go about our ministry? Our values are really what makes us distinct. Yeah. Our values really answer the question, what kind of church are you? Well, we're a Christian church. We worship Jesus and we preach the Bible. But other than that, what kind of church are you? And so our values really answer the question of this is this is what when when people describe what real life is like, we really, we really want them to to ooze our values. Yeah. So yeah. one of the most joyful things that I experienced recently was Jason Turner was transitioning out of our tech director role. Mm-hmm. And he commented on how he took our the language of our values and the values themselves and infused them into his work, his vocation. And he began to talk about equipping and empowering, which was the value we talked about on the last podcast. Yep. And Jason took the value that he learned at our church as tech director and infused it in his work. Love that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I love that. You you know, yesterday we talked about how churches sometimes will work really, really hard on the front end on a vision, a mission statement, slap on a banner, and then it has nothing to do with like their, their church life versus what you said, which is like, it's just part of our language of like what comes up naturally in the conversation. In fact, you and I were in a meeting before this, this morning, early this morning and our, our values came up. And so like, I I think I hear people using the language a lot, which informs the culture, which now informs, it gives uh, the context, our strategy, vision and mission. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So real lifers, we would love for you to write our values down. Write them down and pray into them and hide them in your heart like you hide God's word in your heart. And uh, and if you don't hide God's word in your heart, start hiding God's word in your heart. <laughs> um, but today, Timmy, we're looking at the value of grace and truth in relationships. And in our last podcast, we actually not gave a nod to this value. We talked about it a little bit. Yep. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on this podcast. I think it's going to be a short one. But let's just lay the foundation for grace and truth in relationships. And I think it's important to state that this is really two values. It's a mashup of values coming together as one. Right. So you've got grace and truth and relationships. So both of those could be like values in and of themselves. Um, Really, it could be like three values, right? Grace. Truth. Truth. You know, relationships. Um. But we use grace and truth because specifically this is the way John described Jesus's ministry. Let me let me just read that. Uh, yep. John chapter one verses fourteen and following. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the way Jesus was introduced by John. And he goes on in verse 15. He says, John bore witness about him. So John the Baptist, John is writing about John the Baptist. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Mm. 
For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Um, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So just in a couple of verses here, John doubles down and mentions this kind of this chief characteristic of Jesus, grace and truth. He said grace and truth came through Jesus. So so God is literally ministering grace and truth through Jesus. So this is one of our values. So when we ask the question, how are we implementing our strategy? How do we go about our mission? How do we lead teams? How do our teams load in and load out and do hospitality and do security? How do community groups navigate conversations? Well, they do it with grace and truth. Um, And so for us, again, we didn't just say, hey, what would be a good idea? Right. We said, what what are these, what are these kind of these golden pillars in scripture that we feel we feel them pressing themselves against us? This emphasis. And so grace and truth, if Jesus' ministry was marked by grace and truth, we want our church's ministry to be marked by grace and truth. Yep. So, so when you look at grace and truth, for you, are those are grace and truth like two sides of the same coin, or does it feel like those are kind of two different things that the gospel pulls together? Like, how do how do you how do you look at that? Well, I, th- I think it's a little both and. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, just just speaking from this text, yeah. he talks about the law coming from Moses. I think that's an emphasis on on truth, but but I think what Jesus does is, I think what Jesus does is probably. He probably pulls them together in this perfect way, right? To where you know, in in our human way of observing, we might see here's two separate things pulling them together, but then when Jesus, the King of all, comes, we see oh, these can live as two sides of the same coin, really. Right, right. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, we, you and I both, uh, like, we're in the New York City area, no pastor named Tim Keller that yeah. talked a lot about this. And I remember I remember one of the things he said is that, you know, the gospel brings those two together in a very unique way. And he also talked about how people tend to either default, like, you know, they, they have a disposition that is either, like, grace or truth. Yes. And, you know, I, I found that, like, at least for me personally, to be very... True. Yes. Have you seen that as well? Yeah. And like, if so, like what, like if you were to err kind of on one side or the other, what's your, what's your kind of default? Well, I think growing up early in my, early in my days of walking with Jesus, I was very truth driven. Right. You right. know, and definitely leaned over onto that side of the fence. I used the illustration um, of your car being out of alignment a little bit, it, yep. it pulling to the left or pulling to the right. Oh, that's good. Um, and, um, uh, you, you know, we've all had a car that when we get in it, if we take our hands off the wheel, it naturally pulls to the right or yep. pulls to the left. And we take it to the mechanic and he works on it. And then sometimes frustratingly, we get back in the car and it still pulls to the right or pulls <laughs> to the left. Um, so I think for me, it was like truth driven, uh, more on that side. Um, as I've, as I've grown, Yep. I've grown more and more in, in, in grace. And I think as we mature as a Christian, it should it, it should become less obvious which side we might naturally lean toward. Right. Um I find myself sometimes to me too, uh um, uh, you know, Jesus 
always knew the need in the moment. Mm. So sometimes Jesus would speak a prophetic word that didn't feel particularly gracious. Right. It was a hard word, an in-your-face word, a confrontational word, a word of judgment that felt like I'm about to give you the truth. Yeah. You know, and you can't handle the truth. (laughs) Now, I'm about to give you the truth, right? But then other times, Jesus seemed to have such a ministry of grace that that would make some people uncomfortable about how free the grace That's was. Great. And 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 so <laughs> I really hesitate to say it this way because I don't want to like I'm I'm, I'm I, there's <laughs> maybe no way to not say it this way. I'm not wanting to say so I do it like Jesus to me. <laughs> but but I do right. find myself in different situations kind of just seeking to discern what the need of the moment is. Yep. Sometimes it's just like maybe the devil's advocate you know, I don't want it to be that, but like, um, right, right. you know, where I think I find myself trying to balance the conversation. So, you know, so if I'm entering into a conversation with somebody and there's a lot of truth, 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 I think I'll try to like pull the pendulum a little bit by me ministering grace yeah, and vice versa. Does that make sense? No, no, it does. In fact, I, and that you may have kind of answered the question I had, which is, if somebody's listening to this and go and says like to use the illustration of the car pulling, maybe they're like you and their pull is more toward the truth. Like what, was there anything that you found that was helpful for you in growing in that piece of grace? Like something that you had to keep in mind or maybe something that you would interject into a conversation that allowed you to steer it back um, in, in the right direction or more in the, in the a balanced direction. Well, there's a little bit of a layered layered question there. I think for me personally, one of the things that has, helped me be Mm self-aware is asking other people um, that are close to me, how do you experience me? That's good. You know, in in other words, I don't want to presume that I'm a gracious man. If other people experience me as really, really truth driven and it comes off harsh. Yeah. You know, you know, so, so I think, in trying to be self-aware about where I'm coming off, asking other people close to you, how do you experience me? Yeah. Because whatever they say, you can't argue with because you just ask them, how do you experience me? Right. It's not, there's not a wrong answer to that's that. That's right. Right. Cause you, you can have, say, no, that's not my intention, but if they've received it differently, right. then that's really what matters. That's right. Sense. How they yeah. experience you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the other layer of your question was, are there any tips of, yeah. If a person's bent more toward truth, like, you know, like how did you grow into like that grace piece? And was it a disposition or was there like, you know, a phrase that you would kind of interject to make sure that you were. Yeah. Well, you know, the scripture promises us that God is always molding us into the image of mm-hmm. Jesus. So I think as we walk with Jesus, we can count on him molding us in that way. Um, so I think it's a natural progression. Yeah. I don't know that I've taken lots of intentional steps to grow in that way. Um, you know, I think the I think the daily, I mean, just the daily grind of ministry in realizing, like, um, not only is grace and truth the way Jesus, the way his ministry was marked, but it's actually the most effective way yeah. to minister. You know, so so it's not like, oh, this would be good, but it's not effective. 
it happens to be effective right, as well. Right, right. So I think over time, you just, you know, you, you grow into that, realizing, oh, okay, they didn't respond to the truth very well there. Right. I needed more grace. I needed to, you know. So, there, you know, maybe techniques of like, if you're talking to somebody, repeating back to them what you heard them say. Yeah. You know, giving them a chance. You know, so rather than responding to what they say, you know, by pointing out, um, well, this is, you know, here, here's an error in your thinking, or you know, here's a here's a sin that's got a foothold in your heart. You know, just repeating back to them to let them hear what you're saying. And yeah, yeah. what would it be situational for you? Like, in other words, like, do you ever look at someone and go, man, I think I think they're going to respond better to to the truth piece of it. And some people might go, you know what, I'm I'm going to really come to them in grace, and they're going to respond. Is there any of that situational? Yeah, well, aspect to it for sure, and I think that that's the yes, without a doubt, and I think that that is, I think that's the challenge of preaching, is that any you know, for me in preaching, I want the tone of the text to determine the tone of the sermon. So if you're preaching to a prophet, the tone of your sermons might be a little more truth driven. Yeah, until you good. get to like the last couple of chapters where. Here comes the remnant, and here comes God's grace, you know. And so um, I think I think what I try to do to shepherd God's people is to help them, and I, and I want to do this more, but is to help them to understand, um, you know, if people hear the warnings in Scripture up on volume 9, yeah. and they hear the promises in Scripture down on volume 2, well, then they need to be aware you know, you know of that. Yeah. If, if their car is out of alignment and they naturally have a bent toward hearing God's word in that way, you know, then then if there's a real prophetic word, they may need to like be aware of. Okay, I already hear the prophetic words really, really loud yeah. in my soul. Yeah. I need to, you know, not not take it with a grain of salt, but I just need to be careful not to be crushed by this word. Yeah. Right. That's good. And and if other people, you know, lean toward apathy and we're talking about a message of, of God's free grace, you know, what do we do to save ourselves? Nothing. Well, people who struggle with apathy need to have self-awareness to know, okay, I don't need to hear this and it caused me to be, uh, you know, more... Uh, you know, lawless, you know, in just, you know, flippant. Right. All grace God's and no grace. truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so, I mean, you can definitely get in the weeds on that. But but great, the reason, the reason we have this value is if you're, if you're too truth-driven, you become legalistic. Yep. If you become, if, you, if you're too grace-driven, um, you become spineless with no conviction. And Jesus' model was grace and truth. And so we want to capture that, balance. So we want to make everybody uncomfortable all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, honestly, I don't really like making people feel uncomfortable, but it comes with the, comes with the job, right? That's what growth is. That's right. That's right. Um, but the reality is, is everybody probably falls off. Like you said, on one side of the fence or or the other. Right. So we're always going to be like course correction. That's right. That's right. Um, but it's, so it's not just grace and truth. It's grace and truth in In relationships. So where do we get that? Well, just, just real quickly, we're made in the image of God. God has existed outside of time. We, we talked about this on the former podcast. God has existed outside the realm of time in, in history, 
as a community, Father, Son, and Spirit. And then he made us in his image to mirror forth to one another the character of God. So if we're going to be the image of God, we too have to live in community. So that's like a theological foundation that we see in creation. Um, God said at creation, it's not good for man to be alone. Mm. So he he made families as a community. And then you see, uh, you know, God birthing the church and giving that familial language where we're now sons and daughters of God. The implication is we have spiritual mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters in Christ. We talked about this in the last mm-hmm. podcast. But here's what I don't want people to miss. Timmy, when I was probably a young seminary student, but maybe before then, this was impressed upon my mind, and I've not been able to escape it since. Yeah. Um, and it, but it's the relational, the radically relational nature of the church. Mm. Well, where do we get that? Well, just a casual read through the New Testament, and you see that the church is to be radically relational. You see these dozens of one another commands that we mentioned in the last podcast of love one another and pray for one another and encourage one another, speak the truth and love to one another, welcome one another, outdo one another in showing honor, on and on and on, confess your sins to one another, um, stir one another up to good deeds. You know, so you just they're just everywhere. Yeah, And so one of the dangers is that in the West, we have popularized this idea of our own individual relationship with Jesus, which right. is a good thing. Yep. We want the people of God, the way the psalmist may have, come in their prayer closet alone with God and have alone, intimate time. But it's a, it's a misunderstanding if we think that that's the pinnacle. Right. The pinnacle is coming to God in community. Now, the reason that we say that is because when you read through the New Testament, the vast majority of the letters were written to churches, groups of people, and intended to be read out loud in the community and then lived out in the context of the community. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And even the strong family culture of the New Testament, they they talk about how the sibling relationship, brother, sister, like in the West, we don't really get that. Like we have strong relationships, but that for them, that was almost like the primary relationship in the family. And that's like, that's what we're called to be is like brothers and sisters and, and living in community. And I love what you said. Yeah. Cause we tend to think in terms of like the personal relationship, which is great. And we miss out on the relationship aspect of it. And so getting to live that out is pretty, pretty amazing. It, Timmy, if you were thinking about, like a scripture text that embodies this idea. What come what comes to mind? Well, we we had talked even earlier this morning about um, the body, you know, and I think we even mentioned this yesterday. How we we need literally every part, and you know, First Corinthians twelve uh, twenty one. I've got it here. It says, "The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you,' and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you." On the contrary. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I love that word, indispensable. Yeah, read that again because I I don't want people to blitz by these words. Let these seep into your heart. Yes. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker 
are indispensable. So in this text in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is using this analogy of a human body to describe what the body of Christ is like, what the church is like. And he says, we're a body. Like some people are ears and some people are noses, some people are mouths, some people are hands and feet. And, and he's describing this interdependency. So the way God made us, if we're going to flourish, which is our vision, yeah, to flourish as individuals and to flourish as the body of Christ, if we're going to flourish, we must live in community. So Paul writes so plainly, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. That's it. Yeah, and I'm sitting here thinking like in... We have to be so careful because in so many, uh, there's this celebrity church culture, yeah. which exalts some parts of the body and yeah, says, right, you know, right. everybody else, you know, sit in like we, like we mentioned in the previous podcast. No, we need like every single person because we are yes. together the body yes. of Christ and without, without any one part, it's incomplete. Yes. What is, what is the celebrity church culture? What is that, Timmy? Meaning that we tend to exalt like what we see on stage, you know, whether it's a worship leader or a, a preacher or, you know, whatever it is, we, we, whoever's on stage, um, we make it somehow seem like they're super Christians and they're on a different level than everyone else. And that somehow those are the most important things, not recognizing that there's a lot more that goes into not just Sunday morning, but the church yeah. at, at large. Yeah. Yeah. Every church I've pastored, Timmy. Yep. Um, they're doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're doing just fine. Uh, they didn't need me. It was just a privilege that mm-hmm. God invites us into the ministry. You know, so we serve a role, but the celebrity church culture exalts certain figures in the church and says they're indispensable. It's all about them. It's built on them. Yeah. And we see something very different in the scripture that it's no, it, it, it's a, it's a body. You know, in in the same way, like we would be hard pressed if I if I was going to ask you, you know, would you would you rather not be able to smell or not be able to hear? You would be like, well, <laughs> do I have to choose? Right, exactly, <laughs> I don't exactly. Choose, yeah. Like we want like all the parts of our body functioning well, and that's the way the body of Christ is. Timmy, as I think about this 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 idea of grace and truth in relationships, um, uh. I think, well, the grace and truth, let's talk about the relationship piece. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Mm. So, so isolating yourself is selfish. It's yeah. selfish uh, because God made us with something that's going to benefit other people. It's going gonna, it's gonna, to, we have something in us that makes a unique contribution into other people's lives, into the body of Christ. So when you resist joining a community group, when you want to remain anonymous, you're going against the grain of God's design. Yeah, that's good. You're isolating yourself. And the Bible says you're seeking your own desire. You're not, you're not making this about serving others. You're making this about serving you, just being a consumer, just receiving but then this other phrase, he breaks out against all sound judgment. And, and I think this is so helpful because we live in this day, Timmy, where like anxiety is huge for people, right? Yeah. And in so much of what drives anxiety are people's thoughts. 
So people talk to themselves and listen to themselves and the devil speaks to them and they listen to the devil and their their mind is filled with lies. Mm. Little lies, big lies. Sometimes we're aware of it. Sometimes, a lot of times we're not. But the, but the idea is if we're tuning our heart to these lies and we isolate ourselves then we get lost in the echo chamber of our own mind. Yeah. And, and anytime somebody offers a competing idea that may be reasonable, we lash out against it because we've convinced ourselves that the lies are real. Right. We believe ourselves as opposed to the people speaking into our lives. Yeah. Do you think our culture is pushing us like further toward isolation right now? Or do you feel like there's a, a shift back to like, Toward community. Well, I think trends in the culture move quicker today than they ever have. Yeah, and and I think that they they rise up in different pockets. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, so you know, so I think that there's different. You know, if you just if you drove from here to California, in different communities across the United States, I think you're going to encounter a lot of different cultures and yeah. emphasis and ways of living and. Um, but I think we have given into the lie that a smartphone device gives us connection. Yeah. And really it becomes a wall and a distancing to real authentic in the flesh community. Social media as well, right? Like, that's, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. Oh, yes, I yes. feel so connected, but you get done and you're like, you know, you're left with that feeling of like, okay, that's not, yeah, that's it's, a substitute. It's a shadow. Yeah. It's just a shadow. It's, it's a, it's an, echo of the real thing and so it'll fool you it'll deceive you into thinking oh there's this connection and then it'll leave you empty that's it oh there, there is no connection you know so you look back you know you look back 60 70 years ago and people stayed out on their front porches well now everybody builds fences in the backyard and that's yeah. where they go you know so so i would say in the last 10 years as the iPhone has been on the rise. Yes, there's a disconnection, but I would even say in the last 70 years, you know, as there's kind of been this upward pursuit of the American dream, uh, people have lost a real sense of community, neighboring community relationships. Life is the busyness, the activity, the overload of entertainment, the idolatry of sports, all kinds of things like this have it has caused us, I remember being in New York and hearing Daryl Bach speak to a group of pastors. Daryl Bach is the great, the great uh, professor down at Dallas Theological Seminary, written the big commentaries on Luke and other many others. But um, uh, you know, Bach was identifying the three kind of dominant characteristics of our culture, and, and one of them that he identified was radical individualism. Yeah. Radical individualism. And so so that's been the drift of the culture, radical individualism, and the character of the church, the the ethos of the church, the nature of the church that we see in the scripture is that we're to, we're to be radically relational. Yeah. So if we're not aware as individuals and as the collective body of Christ, if we're not aware of the current of the culture, that's leading us toward radical individualism. In other words, in other words, Timmy, like when you get on a raft, if you just sit there, you go with the current of the culture. Right. 
Yeah. Right. You move by doing nothing. It's yeah. So you're not ever neutral. That's right. right. Yeah. You are moving. Well, if you're going to go against the current, you've got to get your arms in the water intentionally and aggressively moving, right? To, yeah. to go the other direction. And so I think we as a church, that's why we've got to be so intentional about putting ourselves in environments like community groups, whether it's uncomfortable, whether you're an introvert, whether, you know, whether you had a bad experience in a community group or not. And so, so for us, that's why we say one of our values is grace and truth in relationships. A lot of people might want to just assume, well, of course the church is relational. Um, we don't want to assume it. We want to emphasize it. Yeah. And so if I'm hearing you right, if when we live out this value as a church, we have a chance to be radically countercultural because it's so yes. not the direction that the, the culture yes. is going in. So living, yes. the, which also means we're going against the current, which means it's not an easy thing for us to do, yep. but That's it's a right. value. That's right. Gonna... Yeah. So two things are going to happen. You're going to be a, 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 a light in the darkness. Right. So, so people are going to be drawn to you when they're fed up with walking in darkness. That's right. Good. Um, but you're, but you're also going to be salt that can, it can season, but it can irritate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so there's going to be, you know, persecution. There's going to be perspectives of, Oh, you guys are weird you know, when you go sure. countercultural. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you're both refreshing and irritating at, you, the, same, at yeah. the same time. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and by God's grace, he's really allowed us to embody this, but it takes a lot of intentionality um, in, in that as we go about our ministry, it's not okay that we just get the job done. Our values say, We've got to get the job done in particular kinds of ways. Right. In other words, we don't want to be just like a big growing church. We want to be a particular kind of church. And the particular kind of church we want to be is one that's marked by grace and truth in relationships. Yesterday when we did Equip and Empower, you talked about how sometimes on the front end, in order to equip and empower, it takes a little bit longer, yeah. right? Like it may not right. be the most efficient thing. And it strikes me that, again, grace and truth could be a similar thing. It, it's not um, always efficient. Relationship's not. It, right. it takes time. That's right. But again, like you said, it's not just about getting the job done. It's about the process That's and right. what God is doing in and through us personally, but then now also relationally as well. That's is right. That yeah, that's so good. Absolutely. You know, so I think practically, what does this mean for, say, our ministry team leaders, yeah. right? We've got dozens of ministry team leaders that lead prayer teams and hospitality teams and load in and load out and you, on and on and on, security team. And um, so this is a, I mean, this is a, a mantle for them uh, in that it, it poses the question, what can you do as a ministry team leader to cultivate relationships. Yeah. So so a practical step is every ministry team leader can have their ministry team over to their house for dinner. Yeah, that's good. They can go out to eat, do a fellowship. They can have their own little cornhole tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, um, something... Be to, creative. ...outside of your normal ministry grind... Yeah. ...to be intentional to cultivate this relationship. Um, trust, but trust is really the... Uh, it's the lifeblood of a church. Yeah. And so as we lead people, the thing that makes it work is trust. Well, the thing that makes trust work is relationship, right? And so so we've got to be intentional and take practical steps um, because, you know, as leaders, the burden of leadership is that is that we've got to ensure that all the people that we're leading are connected relationally. 
just because we feel connected doesn't mean that they feel connected. That's right. Right. And we may have some relationships that are life giving in the body of Christ, but the people that we're leading may not. So ministry team leaders really have to take an inventory. They really have to look at their ministry teams like, like these are my sheep and I am their shepherd and I need to make sure, you know, if one gets out of this gets disconnected, I'm going to leave the 99 and go after the one and make sure that they feel connected. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And as you were talking, it just hit me that we've talked about truth and grace informing relationships, but it works the other way around too, because if I'm a ministry team leader and I have my group over for a barbecue or a cornhole tournament, now when I have to bring grace and truth to one of those folks, there's relationship there and it's not outside of that context. Yes. I've said it this way. We want to build the kinds of relationships that can hold the weight of truth. Oh, that's good. Right. Uh, The Proverbs say that the wounds of a friend can be trusted. Yeah. So when we share truth, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's a rebuke. Sometimes it just exposes a, a shortfall, a shortcoming, something like that. Sometimes it, it, it's just convicting, which is painful. Um, and so so the wounds of a friend, friend yeah. can be trusted. Friend there indicates relationship, so right? Good. So that's yeah. truth in relationship. And... Um, and we want to, you know, it's almost like a bridge. You think about a bridge and you think about when you cross a bridge, it tells you what the maximum weight can be on that bridge. Oh, that's good. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so you, you, you know, you want to build the kind of relationship that is a really, really strong bridge Yeah. that can hold a two-ton truth, yeah. you know. Um, and so that's a goal. You know, we won't always get it right, but that's kind of the center of the bullseye. That's the compass for grace and truth in relationships. Timmy, as we wrap up this value, any final thoughts, any questions? I think, yeah, no, I think I think it's a great thing to aspire to. And like, it fires me up to think about, we get to live this out and it is radically countercultural. So it is hard, but it's worth it. Because it, this feels like one of those things that is so different from the culture that when we as a church do it well, People are going to take notice, and they're going to see something in it that is real and authentic and the connection that they so desperately crave that they're not getting. Yeah, it's good. And again, these values are principles, not absolutes. Yep. Someone shouldn't hear this and say, well, I should never share the truth if I don't have a relationship with them. Well, that's not truth. That's not true at all. Right. Um, and, and so we shouldn't use it as a cop-out to say, I can never share a hard truth if I don't have a relationship. But it's just wisdom to say, well, I'm probably going to be more effective yeah. having a good relationship in sharing the truth. But there's going to be times that we need to stand up in the midst of strangers. And um, so, you know, that goes to needing discernment, needing wisdom. God promises to give it to us um, as we ask. Grace and truth in relationships, man, this is good. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Hey, thanks for being on the podcast today. Yeah, man. We're going to come back and continue to talk about our values. Uh, so we've hit Equip and Empower. Today, grace and truth in relationships. Uh, next, we've got keep it real, keep it Jesus, and margin for mission. Uh, Timmy, keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Community groups at Real Life Sango are where strangers become friends and friends become family. You guys, you have been isolated for too long. You've been disconnected for too long. It's time for you to find your people. This fall, this September, we launch community groups. A message for some of you is wait no longer on the sidelines, no longer join a community group. I want you to be thinking about it, praying about it right now. More than that, 
commit in your mind and heart right now that the first day we launch community groups, you're going to sign up for one. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.